We're so excited to spend some time with you today on the Awakening Moments podcast. My name is Lori. And I am Rhonda. And it's our hope that you would feel like we are with you wherever you are right now, having a real life conversation about life in all its beauty and in all its mess. We believe that God wants to open our eyes to an awakening moment that will help us thrive in every part of our being. So we invite you on this adventure with us as we listen, learn, and grow together. Okay, Lori, I thought I'd start this podcast with another random question. All right, let's do it. You ready? Okay. If you were to have a movie snack, what would it be? Your favorite movie snack? Always popcorn is the number (laughs) one, is the number one. Remember growing up, my mom used to make that giant bowl of popcorn. I mean, the biggest bowl. I've never even seen a bowl like that big since that time and we'd all sit around the bowl and then she'd put chips in the top and then everyone would eat the chips off and then we'd eat the popcorn i remember that <laughs> i re- and the blankets it was blank massive amounts of blankets and the big yeah. bowl of popcorn what's yours what's your oh, favorite movie snack my favorite would be chips chips i Potato love chips. chips and now we share the same favorite the baked, oh, the dill baked pickle. Yes, yes, okay. yes, of course. I also love ketchup chips. Oh. And I love... Do you ever get the baked ketchup ones? I do. They're delicious. They're delicious. Delish. Yeah. So I love that. Like mm. The baked chips are my favorite. Mm. With a little bit of popcorn too is pretty yum. But, but you chips, like candy too, don't you? You know what? I've kind of moved from candy. Oh, I know. off candy. I'm okay, off candy. here's a question though for you. Do you sneak snacks into the movie theater? Absolutely. <laughs> do you? Yeah. <laughs> Those are like, yes. remember when have you little ever, kids. Have you ever got your snacks confiscated? <laughs> no, I didn't. You, you did? <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I guess they saw my side bag had snacks in it. And they're like, excuse me, ma'am, we're going to have to take that. No. And I was like, whoa. Oh. <laughs> Even now with the kids, we don't buy. Well, I shouldn't say that they love now movie yeah. popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Same, my kids But too. we definitely make a stop at the Dollar Street or Dollarama <laughs> on our a, way. Get a few. Get a few little uh, things. That's oh, that's funny. cute. That's okay, funny. this is the last question. All right. If you could only take two beauty products, toiletries, for the rest of your life, that's Ooh. it. Only pick two. What would they be? Well, honestly, I only use two beauty products. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not true. I wear makeup, so I guess I use more yeah, than yeah. two. But my main would be ch- like chapstick. Okay. And I do the blistics in the like you take the lid off, screw the lid off. Like that's I love that one. And then um, and moisturizer. That's it. I don't okay. I don't do any. I I'm super simple with the the healthcare stuff. So if I had those two things for the rest of my life, I'd be fine. Okay. I'd never complain. But if I didn't. I don't like having dry skin after you walk, you know, your face is wet and you, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like to put a little moisturizer on. Yeah. That, those are, that's a hard Ooh, one. Oh eh? yeah. What I, about you? I think I'd have to have like brush my teeth. Oh, I'd have to have toothpaste. I yeah. have to. Like more? Yeah. I'd have to. Mm. I would have no teeth if I didn't brush my teeth. I have such weak teeth. I mean, I guess everyone has to brush their teeth, but like you have like, uh, okay. So what's your second one then? Uh, moisturizer. Okay. If I had to pick. So your lips are dry. I could, I Dry could lips. put it on my lips. I'd have to find a moisturizer <laughs> that could also go on my lips. It would be like, oh, it'd have to be like man. a two for one. Like I'd have to, but yeah, same. I could not go without any no, moisturizer. It's true. I, I anyway. guess I couldn't go for the rest of my life without brushing my teeth. That'd be pretty <laughs> disgusting. Well, you, you could, but oh. anyway, those are our two randoms. Uh, just as a fun, fun little note to start. That is funny. That is so funny. All right. Well, I thought we could have a conversation today about the goodness of God. 
And this conversation sort of started to stir in my heart after having a conversation with a friend who um, is walking through, you know, I don't even actually know the name of this sort of belief system, but you hear it a lot. You hear it a lot on social media. You hear it a lot um, just, you know, in conversations with people and, and with people in the world. And, you know, it's all about the universe, what the universe is putting out to me. Um, it's all about manifesting what you want, you know, these kinds of things, meditation, you know, on what you want, and then watching for the universe to give you signs, you know, as to, you know, are those things what the universe wants for you or not? And all of these things. And I was having this conversation, you know, with somebody about this way um, of living and this way of believing. And, you know, this, this friend said to me, you know, the way that I believe is not very much different than the way that you believe. She said, uh, you know, you, you pray, I manifest, you know, what's really the difference. You talk to God, I, you know, I wait for the universe. You believe in God. I believe in the universe. Um, you know, you, and then she, you know, just kept making these comparisons. And, and I, we, we had a conversation about this and said, you know, okay, like I, I hear that. I see, I see those similarities. And I said, probably because all of those beliefs do come straight from the one who gave them to us, you know? And, uh, anyways, we're having this conversation about it and it was beautiful. And, you know, this person said something actually that, brought great conviction to my heart. She said, you know, I believe with all of my heart that the universe is incapable of giving me or bringing me anything bad, that the universe is only looking out for my good and only bringing me good things and will only bring me good things. So, so whatever the universe brings me, I know that it's for my good and I know that it's good. And I thought, Oh my goodness. I thought here, this, this person has this deep, deep belief and conviction that whatever the universe brings, whoever the universe is and whatever these things are that they believe that the universe is bringing are only for their good. Even if they're hard things, even if they're difficult things that ultimately it is for their good. Or even if the universe takes away things that they think they want, it's for their good. So this belief system that has come in and I thought, oh my goodness, we serve a God who is not just good as in he does good things. His nature is only good, but I don't think we hold the same. And I'm saying like a general we, we as Christians or we as believers don't necessarily hold the same level of conviction to believe that God is only capable of giving us what is good of bringing to our lives what is good. Now we recognize, you know, that there is very much both good and evil. Like there is a good God and there is his enemy (laughs) and his enemies at work. And so we see brokenness and we see darkness. But so often in faith, I think we attribute a lot of the darkness um, and the work of the enemy and we blame God for when those things happen. Or do we really, really have that same conviction that God is only capable of bringing good or that which is for our good into our life. And I just, it stirred, it really stirred something inside my heart um, around this conversation about the goodness of God. And do we really, really believe it? Hmm. That is a powerful truth to kind of sit on today. Because even for my life scripture, there's a portion in the Psalm that says, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And that word uphold 
a withhold is actually linked to the goodness of God because if I look back at in my own personal journey, moments that I've been disappointed or have been disillusioned or have had any resentfulness against God, it has come to the fact, if I bear it right down to, I felt like God was withholding something from me. Not from the belief system that God is completely good and all things he works together for my good. It's no, God, you're withholding. You're punishing or you're you're just not giving it. And somehow that is like a belief system that you can rest on. It makes me just think also of the scripture in Luke 11 when it talks about giving gifts to your children. And it says your father, if you know, if you're, if you as fathers here on earth, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. And it says, if you've been sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And the Holy Spirit is the fullness of the full presence of God and all that he is revealed to us. But isn't that so? How much more? How much more will your good father, your heavenly father give? And I think that that's a real, this is a real heart space for us to go to because if we actually look back or even in seasons that perhaps we're in or those listening are in, if you're upset, angry, painful, we're not diminishing that. It's a process to walk through disappointment. I think of so many that we're walking through that are in infertility journeys that once again, it hasn't worked out that they've been able to have a baby. I, I think of a couple couples I'm working, I'm walking with closely and it breaks my heart. And we do have mysteries. There are those questions. There's suffering all around us, but it's so quickly attributed to God is not good. God is withholding. God does not care. God does not see. God does not even, it's not even important to him. That is not even biblical or the truth because that truth that God is good, loves us and is fully, fully present with us is something that I don't think we always, I don't always move from. And that's a real conviction space. Do I really believe that God loves me firstly? And if I do, do I believe that he is good? Like he's completely good. So good. That is so good. You know, it reminds me of um, the enemy and one of his names is the father of lies. And I think one of the ways that he lies to us is not only like about ourselves and our identity in Christ, but he also lies about who God is. And I think we underestimate how powerfully these lies actually do impact our view of God. You know, even as I was having this conversation, you know, with this friend and, you know, this friend at one time had a relationship with God. And I think that through difficulties and pain and even for them, other people misrepresenting God in a painful way, um, it's easier to believe that the universe is only out to bring good because the universe hasn't hurt them yet. Whereas they've attributed some of the pain that has come through people or even just directly to themselves as coming from God. So it's harder to see God as only good in that context. But it reminds me of a scripture in um, Psalm 34, Psalm 34, verse eight, where it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no things. And again, it's sometimes hard to reconcile that God is good when 
we're facing hunger, trial, suffering, when we've got both of those things right in our hands, in our circumstance, right with us, right where we are, it's sometimes hard to reconcile. How could God be good if this is what's happening? Or even just look around at the world. How could God be good if this is, you know, the way that the world is going? But the truth is, the capital T truth is that God is not capable of being anything but good. He's perfect in all his ways. And I love that scripture that you just read too about, you know, if we as flawed, sinful man can want and give good gifts to our good, the word good is in there, good gifts to our children and to people that we love, how much more, how much more God who is perfect in all his ways, who is perfect in love towards us, who is perfect in justice, who is perfect in his goodness, how much more mm. would he not do the very same things? And so a, a question that I think we can ponder in this conversation is what might change for you if you believed, if you believed with the greatest conviction of your being that God was only capable of bringing good in your life? What might change about how you see things or how you live your life or, you know, how you walk through the various, the various circumstances of life? I think if we, if I grabbed hold of that, and I, I think this is exactly what we're talking about. This is not a one and done. This is a constant contending to hold fast to this revelation and have a deepening of that understanding, that revelation. It's God gives a layer of it, and then you have to contend for that to hold on to it. But then it's an unfolding, a constant unfolding of God's love and grace. And one day we'll see with our very eyes the very thing we've believed fully. But when I would say for myself, if I came to a place of fully living in that truth and that would be my heart I would want that Um, it would be that I would live with such joy and such gratitude because we know the end of the story we know who holds all things together and we know that if God has closed a door he is working something out for good whether I see it on this side or not and I know we've talked about this before about Hebrews the chapter in Hebrews 11 and 12, those chapters always bring me right back. Like there was a promise they were holding on to. And what was that promise? They knew that their God was the God of all. He was the good God. And even though they're in the midst of a, a trial of giving their lives, they knew that God is eternally good and that he would hold fast to his promise. So I think if we, if I would really have a revelation to hold on to that, that would not ever shift because it does shift. It does change for me in times that I have to contend for that. I have to remind myself of that, of the goodness of God. It would literally anchor me to such gratitude and such joy in the midst of trial to be able to say, I can have joy when I face trials of all kinds because I know that God is developing in me something greater that I can even see with my natural eye. But I would say joy and gratitude mm. will be two things. And that from that place would be, that's full worship. Yeah. That is worship. Yeah, when there's joy worship. and gratitude, it's worship. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I would say for yeah. myself. How about yeah. for you, Lori? I think, um, I, feel, I feel like almost, I have this like picture in my head, like it would shine a light on that which is good is from the Lord and that which is not good or that which is evil 
is not from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Like it would almost shine this light on and take some of the confusion out of why is this happening to me? It would show that it would show the enemy's hand and it would show God's hand. Mm -hmm. It would be able to almost like black and white. Do you know what I mean? Shine a light on yeah, who God really, really is. But I think honestly, this revelation is not possible unless we believe that God loves us unconditionally. Because what um, what was the line in your life verse again? Um, no, no good, good thing, thing does, does he, he withhold, withhold from those who walk uprightly. So what do we automatically do when we read a scripture like that? We say, if bad things are happening to me, they must be coming from God and it must be because I'm walking I'm not walking uprightly. It's like we put a condition mm. on the promise of God, on the love of God, and disqualify ourselves from whatever it is that God has promised because of what we have done. Yet, I think, again, this is why God needed to send his son Jesus, because we needed, we needed um, to be able to receive this by grace alone. Like there was, there was no, we had absolutely no ability in ourselves to be able to earn God's love, God's favor, God's blessing. There was nothing we could do to be good enough. So he sent us on Jesus to cover us, to provide gr- so that through grace we could be saved, right? But that means that if and when we are, when we receive that grace, that actually it takes all the conditions, all the conditions are gone. But I think we go back to the conditions Mm. again and again and again and again, because we read a lot of conditions. Like, I mean, even the, the scripture that I just read, blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Okay, well, I must not be blessed because I'm not taking refuge in, in him. I'm not trusting him. Fear the Lord for those who fear him have no lack. Oh, I must not be fearing God. Mm. We constantly, I think, place the conditions that we hear in these lines mm. And we put ourselves in that space instead of remembering that Jesus is actually that bridge. Jesus is actually that covering. Jesus actually said, no, you can't fear me perfectly. So I'm going to step in your place so that you can receive my love unconditionally without Mm. condition. And so if we have a revelation of God's love, then I think we can have a revelation of his goodness. That is so profound because having a revelation of God's love is having a deep understanding of because of God's love, the complete provision has been made through Jesus Christ from a place of love. Yeah. And exactly to affirm what you're saying, Lori, it says in Ephesians 1, 4, even before he, meaning God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So immediately what you're saying is these conditions have been paid in full, paid in full. And those listening to get, you need to hear that it has been paid in full. The finished work of the cross is the finished work of the cross that God chose before you were even born. It says before he even made the world, he had this plan knowing man was going to fall short. Jesus out of his place of love gave his only son to fully pay that price and to stand in that place that he sees us through Christ with no fault. So guess what? The provision's been made. We are walking uprightly. 
we are taking refuges as soon as we because accept Jesus, of Jesus because of Jesus. Yeah. That is the gift of grace. And that is where the full, we can't boast when it says, even Paul says, I can't boast. It is by grace and by grace alone. We have been saved, not by our own works, but by only the grace of God. But what joy can fill our spirits to know we have the full provisions of all these scriptures. The conditions have been met. It's been signed, sealed, and delivered with the blood of Christ. His name is on every legal document in the heavens. And we can fully stand, fully receiving the fullness of what he's done. Right. Of in all of these things. So And his goodness. His good. Yeah. It makes me so overwhelmed with joy and thankfulness. Because you're right. We put those conditions in. And that's exactly where the enemy baits us and twists to be like, okay, exactly what you said. If you don't do this, see? That's why that's happening. This is happening bad in your life. Oh, God doesn't love you. You've, you haven't been praying enough. You haven't been going to church. You have, you're not Christian enough. Did you really mean that salvation prayer? No. Once you accept Jesus, those who call the name of the Lord, they're saved. Yeah. It's, it's simple. Yeah. So that life of surrender comes at the foot of the cross. And I just love that. Like, I just want, I feel like even as you're sharing that, this is the truth that when you strip everything away, this is what's going to hold this is the tethering line for us that no matter what we face, we are held. Yeah. We are firmly fixed in the truth that God loves us. Before we were even born, he knew us and called us his own and sent his son. And all we need to do is receive that gift. And today that's as easy as it is to start over today. Say, God, I've been living in a lie. Like literally say it out loud. I've been living in a lie. And I right now, I want to say I remove that lie i see the light of your truth i receive your love and i receive the gift of salvation the gift of jesus and i walk in the fullness thank you that you are not withholding from me thank you that you're a good father you love me and that i can receive all that you have for me today just say that where you are today just receive that because the enemy wants to keep you in that cloud of oppression and keep you separated from god by lies that's all lies all lies. all lies. I mean, he's the accuser. So yeah. every time you read a scripture of that and you disqualify yourself, that is the accuser in your ear, Amen. literally trying to pull down the supremacy of God and what he said and what he's promised you. And he is good. And I encourage you to, you know, if some of what we're talking about today, even having some you know, maybe people have misrepresented God for mm -hmm. you. Maybe mm -hmm. there's been some painful things that you've had to live with that you've blamed God for that you think like, why would a good God allow, you know, A, B, C, because that's part of your story. That's what you've had to, had to live with, maybe living with an illness or maybe a loved one living with an illness that you've just prayed so fervently and just never, ever seen and can't reconcile the goodness of God with this suffering that you've had to endure. I really, really encourage you to try and uh, to, to bring all of that before the Lord, but try and separate where God has been misrepresented for you, where the enemy has come in with lies for you, and where you have believed lies about the nature and the character of God. What could change? What could actually change today if you believed that God is good and he's only good and he's for you and what he brings into your life is good and 
is ultimately for your good? What if you believe that? Would it be able to separate some of the suffering that you've been through, some of the work of the enemy and some of the accusations that the enemy has used to try to really take God's power down um, in your life and through your life? So really do some of that work if you know, you've know you wrestled through some of these, these kinds of feelings, thoughts, circumstances um, in your own life, because truly I do think there is something for us to grab hold of. I know for myself, if I'm really, really honest, like when I read the scriptures and I read these ones that we've talked about today and that we've read, like I do automatically first disqualify myself. Mm. And it's not necessarily that I don't believe God is good, but I never believe I'm good enough to Mm. receive his goodness. Like that's where... I get tripped up sometimes in this that, you know, there is that constant messaging inside my own brain. Like you're not good enough. You haven't done enough. You, you could have got, you know, you, you get up at six, you could have got up at five. You read for a half an hour. You could have read for an hour. You, you know, and it, it, it kind of just comes in, in almost anything. I have to be very disciplined in my mind to, and I have to remind myself of truth because this wants to be a constant nag, a constant accusation in my mind. And so even as I read the scriptures, like I'm the first person that disqualifies myself from the promises of God for me because I haven't lived it exactly the way that God's word demands even in, t- in my own interpretation of it, forgetting that Jesus has actually come to make the way for me, forgetting as I read these scriptures and I think there's so much power in it, but forgetting that Jesus made the way for me. It is through Jesus that I get to receive all of these promises. Like I have to remind myself of that mm. a lot. Like, like almost every day this wants to come back and sort of permeate my thinking. And it, And it's not, again, for me that I don't believe God's good, but I don't appropriate the full measure of what he's provided for me because I disqualify myself because I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where this shows up for me. And, um, and if you're similar, if you're similar to me, then again, just remember, replace those lies with truth, with the truth that Jesus has made the way so that I can receive fully. And Jesus has made the way so that you can receive fully in all the promises that God has said, taste and see that the Lord is good and take all the disqualifications mm-hmm. off and now receive that goodness, receive that unconditional love. And I think, again, that is something that will transform and change our lives. I love that. I completely identify with everything you just shared, Lori. And I think as we're bringing this to a close, just to talking about the love of God, we're just going to ask God, God, show us, show us those spaces and places yeah. in our life where that has not taken a deeper root, like yeah. take a deeper root in. Yeah. Where we don't have a revelation of that truth. Of that truth. Exactly. Of how much you love us, of how much, what Christ has provided for us, that we are enough. And I love, I oh, I know I always bring up Revelation 21 because I just love it so much. But, you know, I think it's so beautiful how God starts generate the Genesis with him in intimacy with us, walking with Adam, showing us his heart. And his heart was never to be separated from us. And the evil one separated us from, wasn't God that did that. It was the snake in the garden that separated. We believed a lie right from the beginning and we, la- we lost that intimacy and the fullness 
that God has restored through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we look at Revelation, we look at the bookends, Genesis, God's heart for for us to be totally intimate with him. Revelation, he comes and he says, okay, I'm letting you know here, I am making all things new. I'm making a new heaven and a new earth. He created Eden for man to dwell with us. He now is creating a new heaven, a new earth. And he said, I love this, that the new Jerusalem coming down of heaven was prepared as a beautiful bride dressed for her husband. And he said from a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who seated on the throne said this, I am making everything new. Like those words just get me every single time because God says like, I am wiping every tear. I am the great shepherd. I am your great God. I've seen on this earth as you're walking through, as you spoke to that Lori, like even that the pain you may be walking through today or the pain you have walked through that you're trying to reconcile with God. God is your comforter. God is your shepherd. The enemy has come to rob, steal and destroy. And you may be even questioning, where were you, God? Why didn't you stop those things? There's mysteries in the unfolding, but there's sin in this earth. There's an evil one that's here to take you out. But today, instead of seeing that God has been absent or God has been far from you, may you see him as the God that wipes away every tear that has accounted for every tear that you've cried on this side of eternity and will make all things new. He is your comforter that it is that place that the enemy wants to separate you from intimacy, to not run, to receive comfort and grace and healing, but to actually exchange that for bitterness, resentfulness, and to see God is absent. Today, may you exchange that today for the intimacy of what God has for you, to be the one to hold you when you cry, to be the one to comfort you when you're in pain, and that there will be a day that he's going to make all things new. Amen. What a way. That's the God we serve. Amen. That's the God we serve. Amen. Amen. And so, yeah, as we say goodbye today, just remember that God is good and he loves you unconditionally. He loves you without condition because he sent his son and because he created you. He created you literally just to bring glory to him, just to yeah. glorify himself through your life. His goodness, all that, like it, it's not, it's not what he does. It's who he is. He can, so he's not capable of doing anything else. So just receive that into your spirit today, even if it doesn't jive with your circumstance and ask the Lord to help reconcile and make sense and give you a redemption a redemptive perspective on your circumstance, on what it is that you're having to walk out on this side of eternity because he is making all things new. Hold fast. Don't give up. Don't give up because in due time, you will reap beyond what you could ever, ever imagine. Amen. Your king has accounted for every tear, every cry, has heard your heart and has seen you and has walked with you from the moment he created you and he will walk with you right through eternity. And so may you know that your king is trustworthy. He is true and he is good. He is good. And so may you hold fast to him. Let nothing separate you from the love of God because he has said nothing will separate you from my love. So may you run to your shepherd, run to your king. He will lead you and he will guide you because he loves you. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today. 
Thank you for joining us today on the Awakening Moments podcast. We pray that you are filled with hope and joy as you navigate the challenges of life. And we would love for you to subscribe to this podcast or share it with your friends. And remember, you are so loved by God and He is always with you.